Good morning. Um, it's a blessing to see all you here this morning. Um, as Tim said, uh, and for those who don't know me, my name is Clint Benish. Typically, I'm not on this side of the platform. Normally, I'm up there playing guitar or singing or something fun like that. Not that this isn't fun. Uh, but um, anyway, um, just a little bit about me. Um, I'm married. Um, my better half isn't here yet. She'll be at 1045. Her name is Tina. And uh, we've been married for about five years now, just over five years. Uh, we have uh, two lovely children. Uh, we have a little boy who's three. His name is Barrett. Um, and we have a little girl, Delaney, who at the end of the month is going to be five months old. And I say that out loud, and I realize that she's going to be five months old, and I cannot believe where those five months have gone to. Um, a little bit more about me. Um, as I'm on staff here um, at Troy UMC, uh, one of my uh, uh, jobs here is I'm typically over at the St. Jacob Church on the Sundays that I'm not here. I'm in charge of the ministries there, and that includes uh, the St. Jacob Dinner Church that we have, and we're actually doing that for the next uh, seven Sunday nights. If you haven't been there, um, it's at the St. Jacob Activity Center, and we, we start at 6 o'clock, and we, we have a meal, and we sing some worship songs, and then we watch um, actually this message. Hi, Dinner Church. I'll see you in a little while. Um, and tonight we're having a, a, a breakfast for dinner. That's what we're having. Uh, it's always good. It's always a good time. I grew up uh, having breakfast for dinner a lot, especially after hockey practice. It was uh, what I craved. Um, anyway, but a little bit also more about me is I am currently uh, in seminary, and I go to Asbury Theological Seminary. I've been going there for about just a little over a month and a half now. It's been an exciting adventure, uh, definitely stretched me. I've never read more in my entire life than I have in the last month combined. And it's been an exciting time, though. I've really enjoyed it. I've grown a lot from it. Uh, but uh, getting uh, to the point today, uh, growing up, um, and realistically even today, maybe a little bit less uh, in this last month and a half, because, considering how much I've been reading, I've always been a fan of reading comic books. Uh, specifically, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. I've always loved his stories of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. It's just great. Uh, when, I was a, when I was younger, I would go to the store with my mom. We'd go to Schnucks, and I remember we'd walk in, and she'd go to the right with a cart to go to the produce aisle, and I'd go to the left, and I'd find an aisle to cut through to go to the magazine section. Because in the magazine section, there they had this one little robe, not really neat or orderly, of comics. Nothing in any specific order, nothing really um, new or old. It was just a hodgepodge mix of whatnot. And I'd get them and I'd read them. It basically saved me my allowance by reading them there and not taking them home. But because it was kind of, <laughs> it's true, uh, but because it was kind of like a random mix uh, of comics, the stories never really uh, followed through with each other. Like I might pick up a second part of a two-part issue. And I would, uh, I would pick it up, and the nice thing is when I'd open up that cover right there on the first page, there was a quick recap of what's been going on in the story. I loved it. And they did this because of Marvel's own Stan Lee. He said this. He said that every comic book is someone's first. <clears throat> now, today... It might be your first day here with us. And if it's your first day here, if you're with us this morning, I want to thank you for coming and spending your morning with us. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you'll be a part of, of worship this morning with us. But maybe you've missed these last few weeks and uh, the video that you saw, you don't really know what happened there. But so far, we're, this is week three of an eight 
nine-week series here at Troy, uh, of a nine-week series uh, of days and nights with Jesus. And, and as we go through this series, we truly believe that um, as we hear these stories and we hear these teachings of Jesus, that we'll see his character and that we will be inspired, that we'll hear Jesus' mission and be drawn into it and want to take part, and that we will finally, <coughs> so I have a chest cold, and that we will see the loving heart of Christ and only want to experience life with him. And now have I, as I said before, every comic book is someone's first. This has always stuck with me, especially when it comes to time for like uh, me getting uh, youth lessons or Bible studies or getting my sermon prep for Sunday morning. It's stuck with me. Um, I like to give a, a little background this way that everyone here is on the same page. Now, our scripture today, it comes from the gospel of John. And when I hear that term, the gospel, I sometimes think that that's kind of like a, a churchy term. I don't want to take for granted that maybe not everyone here knows what that word, the gospel, means. And in the simplest form, a gospel is a spiritual biography of Jesus. Now, the author of this specific spiritual biography is John, who's the brother of James. And these two guys were part of the original 12 disciples, the guys that followed Jesus as he uh, lived ministry on earth. Now, since the writer of John was one of the original 12 uh, followers of Jesus, we get a, a unique look at what it was like to be a person that followed Jesus. We get to see uh, that there are times where it's actually hard to follow Jesus. It's not always the easiest to follow him. And one person actually found it impossible to follow Jesus, but later on, he found it to be one of the best lives possible that you can live. Now, with a quick uh, show of hands, how many people here have been to or, or go to trivia nights? Okay, we got some hands out there. All right. I've been to quite a few uh, different fundraisers, especially youth fundraisers at church. Um, I've been to many different ones, and, and, and one of the questions that I always come across at church, one, church trivia nights are, is a question that says, um, who is Jesus talking to uh, around the conversation in John 3.16? You know, this passage is probably one of the most famous scripture passages in the entire Bible. And, and, and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Today, if, uh, if you don't know who that is, we're going to learn who Jesus was talking to when he said that. You see, the man in question here, he seeks out Jesus at nighttime, and he wants to have a conversation with Jesus. Uh, during the conversation, Jesus asked something that seemed impossible to him because it went against everything that he knew. And I think that if we really analyze ourselves, it will challenge us too. But before we get to the scriptures, let us pray. Our loving and gracious Father, we just thank you. We thank you so much uh, 
uh, for the opportunity to, to come together corporately and hear your word, read the Bible, and hear a message from you. God, I just pray that uh, my own faults and imperfections don't stand in the way of your message getting to each and every one of the people here and speaking truth into their lives. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in this place to speak something new and fresh in our lives. Be with us as we go through this. In your name we pray. Amen. Now our our scripture today comes from John chapter 3, and it's verses 1 through 16. And I'm going to be uh, reading from the, the New Living Translation. But I highly recommend you that if you have your Bibles, uh, just go ahead and open to John chapter 3. And just leave it open and just stay in there, because as I go through the message, we're going to be just working through this. It's going to be kind of like a little Bible study that we're going to be doing here this morning. I'm going to continually calling back and forth from the passage. So John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. We're just going to start off verse 1 and 2. It says this, After dark one evening, a, a Jewish religious leader named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to speak with Jesus. Teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach, to, to teach us. Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. Well, there you have it. It didn't take too long in our scripture this morning to find out who it was that Jesus was talking to. It's Nicodemus. And uh, that's the trivia answer you have for, for the future. Uh, trivia nights that you might go to. It's an easy, easy answer for you now. So, but in our scripture here, we have this interesting conversation that's going to take place between Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, this man, Nicodemus, there's five places in the entire Bible, in this whole book that Nicodemus is mentioned, three of which are going to be in our scriptures this morning, and the other two are in the remaining Gospel of John. So who is this man? Who is this man Nicodemus, and what makes him important? Well, right off the bat, uh, we learn that he's a Pharisee. Well, Clint, what's a Pharisee? I'm glad you asked. You see, a Pharisee, uh, they were a strict group of people who were focused on keeping every detail of the Old Testament law. And not only that, they, were, they also observed hundreds of man-made traditions and considered them every bit as mandatory as the laws given by God to Moses. Now, on top of being a Pharisee, Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin were the highest legal authority among all of the Jews at the time of Jesus. Now, when we read this information, it blows by so fast in our reading that it seems like it could be not really important. It just seems that it just kind of throw away information. But as we work through our scripture this morning, it becomes very important who this man is and was as a religious leader. So our scene it starts uh, with Nicodemus going to speak with Jesus at night. And for whatever reason, John, the writer, thought it was important to include this information, to include this tiny little detail in our reading. And there's a few reasons uh, that suggest Nicodemus may have come at night because he wanted to keep this meeting, keep this conversation, whatever was going to go down, to keep this a secret. Now, the first reason it it could have been because Nicodemus and, and who he was, his social, 
and his religious statuses, who he was in his time. And because of those two things, he actually might have been embarrassed uh, to have been seen with Jesus because it would have made him look bad in the eyes of the other Sanhedrin. You see, if we look at the very first thing that Nicodemus says, he starts off by calling Jesus teacher, or depending on your translation, rabbi. This is a standard, uh, kind, and courteous uh, greeting. It's something that they would say to one another. But as a member of the Sanhedrin, this uh, would not have gone over all that well. You see, Jesus, he never received any formal training that Nicodemus had to become a rabbi. Now, the second thing that comes to mind with Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night <clears throat> is that this darkness could be symbolic. If we look at the beginning of John, we see that Jesus was called the light, the true light who gives light to everyone. He's called the light that shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see, Nicodemus, he, he came to Jesus, the light of the world, in his own spiritual darkness. You know, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we've all probably had those moments of spiritual darkness. Those moments where we're in our walk with Jesus and for some reason, we feel alone. Those moments where we pick up our Bibles and we're reading these words on the page and, and for some reason, it's just empty words and letters on these pages that aren't meaning anything. Or maybe it's those times where we're praying and the prayer that we just prayed, as soon as they leave our lips, it almost seems like no one hears them. I felt that quite a bit in my life. And you know, things like that, it could be also true for Nicodemus as well. He could have been stuck in the routine of his religious practices and still in the darkness of his faith that was based upon all these works and rules and regulations. When I think about <clears throat> things that happen at night in the dark, uh, my father's voice always pops into my head. You see, growing up, my father would always tell me, nothing good happens after midnight. Anybody else heard that before? Yeah. You see, if we think about it, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, when I think about that, uh, there's a specific time. Uh, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, uh, my, me and my friends, my, my circle of friends that I hung out with, we would almost every single weekend go and spend the night at another friend's house. We'd, we'd pick a different house to stay at every weekend. It was always Friday to Saturday night. I could never stay the night. Saturday night going to Sunday because I'd be at church in the morning. But that's good. Uh, but anyway, so we would stay the night at each other's houses. And we'd stay up all night. We'd be up late playing video games and watching movies, and we'd be eating more junk food and Mountain Dew than was physically healthy for a middle school kid. I'm, I'm amazed it turned out so well. <laughs> well, one evening, and probably more realistically if I think about it, one early morning, we had this bright idea to go out and TP and fork one of my friend's yards. Now, for those who don't know what forking is, you get these plastic forks from the store and you go and just stab forks all over the yard and leave them there. You know, you wouldn't take them up, you leave them there for them. They would have fun in the morning doing that. Um, 
But this friend that we decided to go do this to, he wasn't able to stay the night with us. And, and we went to go do this. And he lived quite a distance away from where we were staying. But you know what? It's early. We have plenty of time to go out and do this fun activity and get back. I need to check and see where all my parents are of the, of the youth group so I know who I need to have conversations with later. Um, but we'd go out and do this, and, and, and it was okay. It was still early. <laughs> but after our shenanigans was through, we started to make our way home, and we were cutting through yards, going through uh, little alleyways that we know, just a quick way to get home. And we're, we're going through my friend's neighborhood, and we're cutting through these one houses, and we're almost about to peek out. And all of a sudden, my buddy goes, hey, Clint, hits me. And he goes, hey, man, is that your mom's van? <laughs> yes, it was my mom's van. You see, at this moment, I understood what it meant that, or I was about to learn what it meant, that nothing good happens after midnight. You see, if, uh, if we rewind to the moment where we actually snuck out of the house, if we just stay there for a second, we would also see that we had left my friend's dog upstairs in his room. This dog had bad hips and he couldn't go down these stairs, and he wanted to go with us. He couldn't climb stairs, and we quickly left, left him upstairs. So what do dogs do when they want to take part in something, when they want to go somewhere? Start the whine. You know what I'm talking about. If you have a dog, your dog does this. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's true. And then all of a sudden, the whining doesn't get the attention that it desires, and all of a sudden, it starts barking, maybe with a little chirp. There's a little warning bark that something bigger is going to come. And then it lets it go. And then it starts barking, wanting to get down. Well, my friend's mom, he, he came to, she came to check on us to see what was going on. Why weren't we doing anything with this dog? And needless to say, she found that we were gone. And as any good mother would do, well, she called all the moms, including my mom. And my mom decided that it was time to get up and get dressed and got in the van and drove around the neighborhoods trying to find her son and his knucklehead friends. <clears throat> she drove around for about 30, 45 minutes looking for us. So needless to say, she was really happy with me at this early time of day looking around. And uh, I, I look back and I don't really remember a time after that that I ever stayed at that friend's house again. Um, but wh whatever the reason might be, if we look back at the scriptures of, of going out in at the darkness, whatever the reason might be, it's clear that Nicodemus was coming at night to have this one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus. Now, let's get back to the scriptures. You see, starting at verse 3, we get to the moment where Jesus, he asked the impossible. And I just want to read this very first part of this verse. And Jesus says this, verse 3, Jesus replied, I assure you. Now, I know that was not that much, but we're going to stop there. You see, other translations might say something along the lines of, very truly I tell you, or truly, truly I say to you. Now, something about those statements, bless you, something about those statements, I assure you, uh, very truly I tell you, or truly, truly I say to you, something about that makes my ears perk up, and I want to listen a little bit clearly. I feel like Jesus is about to say something important. And Jesus is clearly making sure that, G, that Nicodemus is paying attention. So let's read that whole verse. It starts off saying, Jesus replies, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. Well, there you have it. 
the impossible thing that Jesus is asking. To see the kingdom of God, we must be born again. Now, this conversation might have been happening at night, and it might have been happening in secret between Nicodemus and Jesus, but as you'll see, it wasn't only for Nicodemus. One of the things that's interesting about this verse, as I was digging into it, is that it seems like Jesus was answering a question, but no question was asked. Up until this point, up until Jesus made that statement, the only thing that Nicodemus said was, Teacher, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. But there's no question. Jesus, with that statement, cuts through all the small talk that Nicodemus probably had prepared and gets directly to the point, gets directly to the heart of the matter, that you must be born again. Now, taken back by this statement, I can see Nicodemus kind of like this shocked look on his face as he says, what do you mean? How, wait a second, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? This is crazy. You see, the Greek word that's used here uh, for born again, depending on how it's translated, could be one of three things. The first one is how Nicodemus took it. He took it as being born from below, being born an earthly birth. The other meaning is that you're born a second time or the way that Jesus meant it uh, to be born from above. You see, this being born in Judaism, this uh, being born into the right family was very important and it was um, extremely important to their culture. They were very proud of their ancestors and their family heritage. But being born again would would only change that. It would change everything for them. You see, Jesus is saying that being born again, born from above, it puts you into this new family, God's family. And it's more important than any family tree that you've ever been a part of. But that would radically change their culture. You see, uh, as we know, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a rule follower. Everything that he had done, he's always followed these rules since he was a little kid. And all these rules he followed, he thought, would guarantee him a right standing with God. But it seems surprising that when he asked that question, he doesn't ask why. You see, he's been following all these rules. So logically, him saying, why do I have to be born again is the logical question to ask. But instead, he asked, how? You see, Jesus responds to this uh, question with yet another attention getter, another truly, truly, I tell you statement. He says this, verse 5. Jesus replied, The truth is no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it is coming from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You see this little back and forth we have here between Jesus and Nicodemus, it's about the need for a spiritual rebirth. A spiritual rebirth that cleanses from sin and, and brings spiritual transformation and renewal in our lives. Now, if we look at this and we kind of dig deep, uh, we might see that this is a possible reference to something that the prophet Ezekiel said almost 700 years earlier. And he said this, 
For I'll gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart with new and right desires and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. I will put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. You will live in Israel, the land that I gave your ancestors long ago, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. You see, Jesus chose these words, sprinkle clean water on you, give you a new heart. He chose these words specifically. They're words that Nicodemus would have known and held on to, and they were words of hope for the future, even when you're at the lowest point possible. These words were written to God's people when they were at their lowest of lows. They were exiled from their homeland. They were words of hope and renewal by water and spirit. You see, being born again of water and spirit, it's a must. Being born this way, it makes us clean. And, it, and, it, and, the, and the filth of our past is washed away. We have a heart transplant and we'll no longer strive for what the world tells us to be. We'll be given godly desires and a new spirit. Now, remember before how I mentioned that this message was not only for Nicodemus. In verse 7, it says this. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. Well, if you have your Bible out, and it's okay, I'm giving you permission to do this, underline that word you and you must be born again. You see that word there, it's the, the Greek plural version of the word you, which means it's, yes, it's for Nicodemus. It's also for the original readers. It's for us today and everybody of the world. <clears throat> now looking at Nicodemus, we might start to think that he's a little thick-headed because once again, he asks in verse nine, what do you mean? Now, being related to thick-headed, I can definitely relate. I remember a time when I first met Tina. Some people know this story, most don't. But I met Tina 14 years ago. Uh, I was working at the time as a Walmart cashier. And Tina would come into my line every night at the end of my shift. And she'd come in and she'd buy one of two things, a pack of gum or a box of Pop-Tarts. And she'd always be the last person I'd check out, and we'd stand there for like 10 or 15 minutes and just hang out and talk as my shift was ending. It was great. It was a great time. It was a great way to pass the time also. It never dawned on me that she liked me until she asked me out on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I was completely oblivious to her feelings and what she was actually trying to say to me. Yeah. And just as uh, Tina was probably frustrated with me, Let's see how frustrated Jesus was with Nicodemus. Uh, starting at verse 10, it says this. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, I am telling you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe us. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about the things that happen here on earth, how can you possibly believe if I tell you what is going on in heaven? For I, the Son of Man, have come to earth and will return to heaven again. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake in the wilderness on a pole, 
so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. You see, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a, a respected Jewish teacher, a man who should fully understand what Jesus is talking about because of all of his teachings. And Jesus is at a loss. If we look at the ESV, the English Standard Translation of this, it says this. It says, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? He's calling him out. He doesn't understand this. Jesus is basically saying, how can I give you new knowledge, things of heaven, when you don't even get the starting point? Jesus goes on and says that I, the Son of Man, have come down to earth and I will return to heaven again. Then he points back to the Old Testament of how Moses saved those who were being bitten by venomous snakes while they were in the wilderness. And he says this. Listen to what he says, church. This is so important. This is awesome. He says, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. He's saying that I must die on a cross so that all who believe will have eternal life. By laying down my life, I make it possible for you to be born again of water and spirit, to have your greatest needs met, to be washed clean and forgiven, to receive that new spirit that transforms your heart to want the things of God. You can be born again this way because I have been lifted on a cross. Now that seems like a pretty amazing offer to me and I thank God for it every single day. If we were to continue in the scripture, uh, it's pretty uncertain how Nicodemus responded this uh, the night actually that they met. But however, when we get to the end of the gospel of John, we read that Nicodemus was there to collect Jesus' body after he died on the cross after he was lifted up on a pole. He brings expensive ointments and oils of myrrh and aloe to clean his body, to get it ready to be buried. Now, it's pretty clear that Nicodemus eventually did respond. He saw this need to be born again, to be washed clean, and to be given a new heart. He saw his need, and he responded. So how will you? You see, each week in this series, we're going to be offering times for you to come and pray as needed. And we have some of our prayer team who is going to be here to pray for and with you. I want to ask the praise team uh, to come on back up. Uh, but as they're coming up to play, I just want to, and they're going to give us time to pray, I want to ask a few questions. The first one is, how do you need to respond to Jesus today? What is it in your life that's being called to you in this moment as we're going through this? What is it that you need to be washed clean from? What are those things in your life that's caused your heart to harden? Is it like relationships you have with friends Friends that you've known for a long time, maybe, but they're, for some reason, they're pulling you away from that walk with Christ. Is it things that maybe you look at on your phone or your computer or your TV that your eyes linger a little bit too long on that you know you shouldn't be looking at or messing with? Is it 
maybe the anger that's inside of you, anger that causes you to lash out sometimes, to be mentally, physically, or emotionally abusive to those around you. Whatever it might be, the greatest news is that there's no one here that cannot be made clean and be given a new heart. I want to invite you that if you're feeling that, just to come forward and pray. We have these altars over here and just pray and just leave it there and give it to God because he will wash you clean and give you that new heart of right desires. How will you respond this morning? Come. Jesus is waiting.